In a world full of movie podcasts, here is one more. Welcome to Defend Your Movie with Sean Donnelly and Andrew Fiore. The time has come again. A champion must That includes all you dimwits out there. This is one of your hosts of the DYM podcast. My name is Andrew Fiore, a.k.a. The Cool Breeze. I am here, joined as always by my pal, my friend, comedian Sean Donnelly, a.k.a. Dutch, everybody. Uh, hello there, Andrew. How are you? Hello, dimwits. Uh, formerly the Defenders and now the Dimwits. And I got to say, Dimwit Nation is loving the Dimwit name. They really Real are. We're strong. Getting- Oh, yeah, I got a message about the Patreon, and, and we're going to be figuring that out. And uh, this this woman messaged me and said, I'm a dimwit and a defender. Oh, I die that's the kind. Yeah, that's the best kind. So uh, thank you guys so much for embracing uh, the new the new, the new new branding. I don't think this has never been done before in the history of show business, Andy, where never. they just change. Like, it, <laughs> it goes in the, the, the annals of history, the annals of history, <laughs> with uh, the mom change on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, uh, with, <laughs> with, with when Valerie Harper left the Hogan family. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, when it just became know, the was- Hogan family. There, there was all of a sudden there was a new Aunt Viv, you know. There was a new Aunt Viv. Yeah, that was that was the that was a fresh Prince of Bill. That was a big one. They and did not. They did they, not like with, the first Aunt Viv. Yeah, they uh, uh, would spice it up. Children were a big switch, you know, like um, the the little girl, oh what, Charles uh, in charge. Well, Charles in charge, but even like the Cosby Show. Once you had uh, what's her name, not Olivia. What was the little one's name? They brought oh. her in like late in the in the show. And, uh, well, I guess maybe most famously Cousin Oliver of Brady Bunch. He oh, absolutely. Aided. Hey, uh, really quickly, I'm, I'm getting a couple of pops, like pops from the mic from you. I don't know if that'll record onto the thing or not. Oh, really? Like a little bit of a, like every once in a while. I think it might be from holding, don't hold, you hold on the bottom. Don't hold the bottom. Maybe that'll do it. I think it's the connection. I think it should be good now. Oh, wait, there we go. Just, yeah, okay. I don't know. Just to give you a head, just to, I don't know now? if it'll affect the recording. You're good now. Yeah, I haven't heard it. But okay. I heard it a bunch of times in a row. Sorry, yeah. Uh, yeah, Cousin Oliver, uh, that was a big Not one. Not a popular guy. Not at all. And um, I guess I just realized this as we're talking about it. I remember when, I guess it was their, their like spoof on Cousin Oliver was when they added seven to Marry with Children. <laughs> yes. Remember they just added a random kid to Marry with Children? It was almost like they were making fun of doing that a little yeah. bit, you know? Seven. And I always wondered, was that before? We might have even talked about this before. Was that before or after the Seinfeld episode, which is most famously George's name for his kid? Seven. I think, well, it was later. Um, it was later in the. Uh, it was definitely later in Married with Children. Yeah, and Married with Children went until what year? I think around 97. All right, so it probably, if I had to guess, it was probably 96, 97. The seven episode, is it the last two years or is it not? Oh, no, I think seven's in uh, the prime six or six or seven seasons. 
So I think maybe it was because of Seinfeld. I wonder if that was the case. Okay, I'm doing a little research here. We've got, uh, I'm going to share the screen with you. Some information on Seven. He spent 12 episodes of the seventh season of Married with Children. So so is that why he's called Seven? <laughs> how funny would that be? It's got to be That's- because... They were like so low rent on that show. They just like they were just. I think they were trying to like make like a spoof on sitcoms. Because also they had like their production value was so low. Magnificent Seven, the season seven premiere of Married with Children, uh, aired on Fox September thirteenth, nineteen ninety two. Oh, ninety two. See, that's what I'm saying. It was eighties into the nineties. So no, then he definitely was before. So they beat Seinfeld, yeah, because I, I don't think yeah seven was definitely not that early. I wonder what I wonder what uh, grocery store Seven is robbing these days. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder where he was uh, a cute kid, man. He was I guess really they're all cute, cute kid. when they're all the all kid actors are cute. It's funny, man. Now you realize how good Ed, Ed O'Neill is uh, oh, so good. as an actor. He's so good, man. He's so freaking good. Yeah, he really is. He really. Uh, I only watched the first few seasons of, Mar- of Modern Family, but. Uh, you just realize the guy is just something special, huh? Yeah, he's a guy. I think that probably should have done more movie stuff, but didn't do that. And you know, he, he kind of found his uh, his niche in, in TV. And apparently, like he didn't he didn't want to sign on for Modern Family. But then I guess he oh, really read the he read the pilot, and then he was like. Um, and apparently he was in with some one of the other cast members in a car, and he told them, he goes, if this show doesn't make it, I don't know what I'm doing in this business. Like he said, oh, wow. like, that's how good – because that show is phenomenal. Like Modern Family is a really well-written show. It's like yeah. Modern Family is one of those, like, solid, like, uh, veteran sitcom writers, like, doing oh. what they want to do kind of thing in a way. Like, oh, actually yeah. really quality where you – like, almost like – Guys from like Cheers and stuff probably worked on Modern Family. You know, like it's like this, like just the the, the complete maturation of like uh, a career writing these super solid sitcoms. You know? Yeah, for sure. Um, what were some of your first sitcoms that you remember? Oh man, um, I remember like okay, so. I here's the thing. I love Cheers. Okay. Yeah. But I as a kid, I didn't. I don't know about you. But I remember Off Cheers. Off my radar as a kid. Really? Well, it's not a Cheers, kid's show, you know? Like, it's not a kid's show at all. But when it would come on, I, whatever show was on before it, I would watch. I don't know. You know I think whatever. I would always see the beginning of Cheers and turn it off because I was like, it's not. It's an adult show. Right. When I was a kid. So Cheers was one of the earliest ones I remember. Uh, I, Facts of Life was a big one. Uh, one Day at a Time we used to watch. But I don't know if that was live or if that was repeats, I guess, maybe. Yeah, yeah. One day, yeah, one day at a Time. One Day at a Time, Facts of Life. Different Strokes was huge. Different Strokes was big there for me. Yep. Uh, different, like, I used to watch those, like, like live and, and, and religiously. Um, and that's why, like, Back then in the 80s, like, there was a thing, like, some kind of social responsibility taken on by sitcoms. I think yes. because they were so popular, they would have the drug episode and then Different Strokes had, which everybody knows about, the, the oh, child yeah. molestation episode, which is one of the creepiest uh-huh. half hours of TV in the world. Like they, I don't think they've done a molestation 
The only thing creepier than that is the All in the Family rape episode, which I can't watch. I can't watch. Oh yeah, watch no, it. it's I yeah, it's brutal. But yeah, they would have the the god. This week, a very special episode. A very special episode. That's how you know you weren't going to get many laughs out of that week. And then the and then like sitcoms became such parodies of themselves. They don't do that anymore. Everything's like no. kind of tongue in cheek now. You know, everything's yeah, just like sure. let's make this as silly as possible. But I remember uh, the I will weird kill part, your parents dead, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> the weird part about the molestation episode is that the child molester was Gordon Jump. And he was like the lovable boss from WKRP in Cincinnati. <laughs> right, right. And that show was done by the time he did it. I'm guessing. Like, I don't know the time frame. It's got. It must have been. But it was. It was very soon after WKRP. Like it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't like t- twenty years later, and he was doing some like method acting, uh, you know, type deal. You know. It, so for me, that was always strange. Already, it was strange because it was a child molestation episode. But dude, like. The fact that that you had Gordon Jumper was like beloved yeah. by like all of America, and this is back when has maybe the fam- has maybe one of the fam- most famous lines in television sitcom history, which is what from WKRP goes, uh, uh, with my hand to God, I swore. I thought turkeys could fly. <laughs> the turkey drop episode. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. But I'm just saying, like. I uh, that was a bad career choice to do that that soon after they right, care right, right. you know like it's like dude you're changing your brand he was changing his brand in a negative way you yeah know, different different this, jokes did do that they did tackle because uh, they did a the kidnapping episode too with Sam with when uh, yeah. he came on board which was goes back to where another they bring they bring that little redheaded uh, freak in there yeah, they, from Terminator too yeah yeah they were trying to change. Uh, and from um, Salute Your Shorts. Remember he was on Salute Your Shorts? Oh, yes. He, I was more of a little later. I was more of like Family Ties. Yeah, Who's Family Ties was big for us. Who's the boss? Yeah. Because um, I think Alyssa Milano, not I think, I pretty much know. That was the first girl I noticed where I was like, I'm in love with a girl. That yeah, was like yeah. my first crush. <laughs> I had a girl crush at school, a realistic one, and then I had a celebrity crush. I had and, Jessica Hunt in third grade, and I had Alyssa Milano from Who's the Boss? Yeah, yeah. Who's the Boss? That was huge for us, too. We used to, I used to watch every episode of that. Family Ties is big. Family Ties does not hold up at all. Like, if you watch it, it's not... Not that, it's, not that it's bad, but it's so 80s and politically focused, and it has that vibe of, of the political uh, cli- the climate of the 80s. Like, yeah, the real liberal parents from the 60s, and then Alex B. Keaton's the young Republican. Yeah, exactly. That you, It kind of doesn't fit into now. Um, Although I will tell you, another crush was Justine Bateman for the kid here. Boy. Yeah, absolutely. Love- Holy moly, my friend. <laughs> Uh, and then on top of that, um, but I also I, watched a bunch of, uh, Nick at night stuff, like older, like Mary Tyler Moore show, Bob Newhart, like, cause just, I don't know why I was, it, maybe it was just like background filler, but I do have like a weird sense of, uh, the older sitcoms and then you could see where that kind of style get put in place. And there's some like Dick and Dyke show even watched a lot of times and you're like, Oh, now that you know you work in comedy and you go oh, look at Carl Reiner was doing even way back then you go the guy was just so ahead of his time and like i guess for some reason i don't associate like the smartness of comedies that you see a lot nowadays with stuff like that back in i don't know why i don't 
but there were things in place yeah, that were really at- smartly written. And like, I love old dude. I love old Twilight Zone episodes, like the yeah, original absolutely. Rod Serling's. And I oh, love yeah. seeing all these old actors who are at the time really young actors. They're really fun to watch. I saw one the other day. It was a pitch for the Angels, and Murray Hamilton is so young in it. It's before he must have done anything. But but it has to be before Graduate. It's obviously before Jaws and, uh, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's fun to watch those old actors and be like, hey, is that young William Shatner? Yeah, although, like, in in Twilight Zones and stuff, yeah. Well, the, um, I, uh... I what you call. It. I would we would watch um, the Odd Couple. We'd watch um, Odd Couple was great, dude. Odd Couple. Did was you fantastic. watch with your family? Did you watch TV shows with your family? I think at times I'd watch with my dad a lot. I, watch, yeah. I would watch a lot of TV with my dad, and like so, a lot of early stuff that was from before my time was because of my dad. Like so, Abbott because that's not sitcom, but like Abbott and Costello was like huge. My dad liked Abbott and Costello a lot. We watched Three Stooges. And then when Seinfeld came along, that was like religious. Like every Thursday at nine, we'd watch Seinfeld. Oh, wow. And that's why, that's part of the reason why I have such an affinity for Seinfeld now, the show. But like, um, it's, it's like nostalgic as well as being like the best television show of all time. Like it's like, yeah. I see. Uh, I'm the complete opposite. I watched everything by myself. I had, oh, did you? Yeah. My dad thought the TV was in the, either he called it the idiot box. Yeah, yeah. My dad would call that too, but he's still the boob watched. tube. Yeah, yeah. my dad boob uh, tube. We, yeah, he was yeah. the boob tube. Yeah, yeah, boob tube. He yeah. would like uh, he would like watching Yankees baseball games, but then he would say, "All right, now turn it off." And so it was like you don't. He never. We never had it on like marathon viewings. God, sorry, my house phone rang. But uh, I so, hear it. oh, good. Um, I uh, would only ever watch with my dad stuff when my mom like Johnny Carson and the tonight show. And that yeah. was either if my mom was not around or like gone to bed early and I was able to like sneak downstairs and just like, even though I think my dad knew I was there, he'd let me watch for a little bit. Cause then, like, <laughs> it, 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 he didn't acknowledge my presence, but then he'd be like, that's enough upstairs. <laughs> I would just like, I would just leave. But, um, yeah, it's fun to go back and kind of watch that old timey stuff nowadays because it does give me that sense of uh, I don't know. I just like watching it because it yeah, makes man, me think about it, like it's nostalgic, man. Yeah, it's nostalgic. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's 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 so good, and a lot of that stuff was so quality. Well, I've been saying this recently. Like I bring it up a bunch because it's all over TV. Is it's one of those shows that nobody, people, well, some people like it. Gay dudes love it, this show. Uh, the Golden Girls. And this show. And the gay dudes love this show. Um, the Golden Girls is phenomenal. As far as, like, sitcom writing goes, like, it is so strong. There's a joke every 10 seconds in the Golden Girls, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And to be able to do that, like, I, like you watch shows now, and it's like, the quality isn't there as much on certain shows. Like people love big bang theory. I'm like, yeah, it's the same kind of, same kind of, um, uh, like, like, uh, tempo, but it's not, yeah, it's, rhythm, as, yeah. it's just not as good. Like it's just not, you know, it's just not, sure. it's like, it's more lowest common denominator stuff. And, and golden girls had some like, you know, innuendo joke, innuendo jokes and stuff like that. But think about the premise of that show and making that funny is, is so much harder than right, other stuff. Right. You know? I know. Can you imagine pitching that today? 
<laughs> oh my Got god! They, oh, they, yeah, they More old white in. women live together. Oh my god! They'd be like, <laughs> like they're like so old. You mean like forty? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. They're like, what do you 29? mean? Twenty nine? Twenty nine ish? Twenty eight? They're like, they're like, what, a, like they're out of college. You're saying they're out of college, so they're living together out of college, <laughs> yeah. and they. Yeah, they would never do that. You know, there was a point where old people were just gone from TV, and if they were on TV, like that's why people love Betty White still because they're like it's the only old people, old yeah. person people know on TV. But back in the day, you watch all the game shows and stuff. They would put like senior citizens on game shows. That would never happen now. Like, and they would put like a lot of boring people on game shows. They weren't like casting it as much as they do now. Yeah, but yeah, and then it is funny also to have the same kind of thought which we originally started with it's like how hollywood never never rebrands anything it's like you see alec baldwin hosting like a new version of a talk show with other celebrities on the talk show and then like yeah because game shows were also a big part of my childhood i watched a lot of game shows in the afternoon when i get home from school press your luck obviously price oh yeah huge but then like you know even like password and old shows like that you'd see celebrities and you would always think I think when I was growing up, I'd go, well, real A-list celebrities don't do that. It did dip for a while, but then it did come back where it's like, yeah, celebrities do game shows. Like, that's essentially what The Tonight Show is now. It's a big game show. You know what I mean? Like, that always was a thing. It's not like a new thing. It is just another rebranding of what was already done. Absolutely. Because back in the day, especially, and they do it. Obviously, Hollywood Squares was you know famous for that. Right, they'd have it at night. Like when they have the game shows at night, that's when it's a sign of like, oh, we're gonna like now, like oh, we're gonna get famous people to do this this game show. Yeah. So they had like that, and the match game was big for it too, and they brought match back game, the match yes. game with Alec Baldwin, right? That's the one that Alec Baldwin did. Yes, yes. Yeah. Boy, did I watch a lot of game shows. Now that we opened up that topic, I'm starting to think of all the ones. Holy hell! Oh, I watch them now. I love them. There's one on that Meredith Vieira <laughs> host now called 25 Words or Less. It's awesome. It's so great. And they pit two comics to the contestant, and it's like you, you're giving clue words, and you have to guess what the word is. I don't know. why. There's probably a board game that's associated with that, but uh, and it's so much fun. And it's like a lot of people we know that are like on the show. Like, you know, like right, Pete right. Holmes, Sashir Zamata's on it, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Boy, uh, $25,000 pyramid. Oh, my God. Press Your Luck was a big one for me. I loved the whammies. I loved the... Uh, the style of the game, it was just a real fun one. They brought that back a couple of times. That's a fun and documentary, too, the guy who scammed it. Yeah, it's crazy. That guy's, like, autistic. He, or yeah. not, like, he's got to be on the spectrum because uh, he was able to figure out because they use the same patterns, right, of the of the board. Yes, flickering. that's how he figured it out. So that's what he did. He, he knew what pattern it would be. That's insane. You ever yeah, watch it the, really you, is. You ever watch the one about the guy? Yeah, you're still doing that thing. Just hold hold your mic from the the meat the meat of it, the meat, not I'm the potatoes. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, I think that might make a difference because also you were lower and then you got higher your voice. I think it's just a connection. Ah. Uh, how do I? Do I sound all right? Yeah, you sound fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, sorry, everybody. It's happening enough. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Cool breeze. Yeah, the you're cool breeze cool doesn't breeze. really worry too much. That's what, that's what that sound is. It's just a cool breeze hitting the mic. Um, <laughs> No, but, uh, dude, like the one about Price is Right, Price is Right, I've been obsessed with lately for the past, like, year. And How's old uh, Drew Carey doing? Uh, Drew Carey's doing great. He's so good in that show. I tweeted at him recently because he, uh, he'll make comments that nobody laughs at on the show, but, like, references. Like, he made, like, a Honeymooners reference because he goes, they, had, they have a golf game on Price is Right where you have, like, sink a putt. 
and he goes, uh, he puts the ball down and he goes, hello, ball, which is, which is from Tony <laughs> Winners. So I tweeted at him, hello, ball, and he goes, oh, that's what our Carney says right before he gives a blowjob. That's what he sent back to me on, <laughs> on Twitter. I'm like, I'm shocked this guy wrote that on Twitter. He's like a family game show host guy, you know? Oh, that's amazing. I, I've met him twice, Drew Carey. Very cool. One time I met him at a, a, a show in L.A. called What's Up, Tiger Lily, and he was really nice, and he was so funny, man, because it was during, like, the whole uh, health care argument was going on, and he was like, yeah, that's something you guys worry about. I'm rich. I don't have to worry about that at all. <laughs> it was really funny. And then another time I saw him, like, outside where the studio is for Price is Right because it's over by the Grove in uh, L.A., and I was like, hey, I'm like, hey, man, I'm like, I know cause Ryan Hamilton used to open for him, or I think uh-huh. he still, maybe he still does sometimes, but whatever. And I go, hey, I know Ryan Hamilton. Like, I know I'm friends with him from New York. And he was like, oh, yeah, all right. And he just kind of blew me off. <laughs> He's just like, all right, cool. All right, thanks. All right, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking jackass. Uh, so, so that was my Drew Carey meetups. Very, very, very cool. Um, I guess – to keep in line with our throwback episode, I watched a really uh, old movie. I watched The Birdman of Alcatraz from 1962 just last night. I've never even seen that. Now, I don't know why you would because it's an odd movie, but I just caught it from the very beginning and I just kind of kept watching it. And it's a it's based on a true story. This guy, Robert Bob Stroud, um, went into prison in like 1913 you know, for uh, a crime, I think it might have been murder, and then is a really just like bad dude and just a loner. And then uh, he's in Leavenworth in Texas, and he kills a security guard. He kills a guard and uh, gets thrown into like basically solitary confinement for life. Which you look back now, and here's the here's my main takeaway from this: the prison system was a whole lot different. And I'm sure I don't know how many stories your dad. Told. Not, not many because he didn't want us to get scared or yeah. nervous. Yeah. Well, solitary confinement wasn't really solitary confinement back in the early, I guess this would have been the 20s, 30s, 40s when he spent his time in prison because he's starting to eventually make a friendship with one of the uh, corrections officers. He's got a, basically like an open kind of cell. They basically had single cells. Like Goodfellas Jail? Huh? Like Goodfellas Jail for the mobsters? Not Goodfellas Jail, but I mean, because these guys were, you know, bad people in prison. They didn't, they were in their own cells, but it like, I'm like, this seems preferable. If you've got to be in jail, you don't have a roommate. You've got people around you, so you're not actually in solitary. And you like, you can talk to people around you. It's not cut off from the rest of the world. And so he's got his alone time in the yard. He finds this little bird and then basically nurses it back to health. And then in some weird plot twist in which happened in real life, uh, the warden who he eventually becomes lifelong friends with allows him and other prisoners to start to raise canaries and birds. And he becomes like an ornithologist. He like creates medicines. Is this all true? Yeah. He like cures bird diseases and stuff from jail. I looked at, I went down a Wikipedia wormhole. Wow. Yeah. So it's like this crazy true story where like this guy was actually regarded as like a leading scientist without any sort of formal knowledge in curing uh, bird sicknesses. And he raised like hundreds, hundreds and uh, maybe even thousands of birds over like 40 years in from jail. It's kind of crazy. Very interesting, like real life story. But uh, 
Yeah, I go. Yeah, I don't see that flying in jail these days where you're just allowed to keep pets and like solitary. The hole is the hole from what I know. From what you know, you're like when I was in solitary, <laughs> it's the hole. Like you're it's yeah, the hole, baby. It's not great. There's no birds in solitary. No, I picture like uh, an Andy Dufresne hole. You know. Yeah, that's crazy. They must like like you know everything was corrupt back in the day. Like it's still corrupt, but I mean like they were corrupt. Like where they were like, ah, eh, give them a bird. Like ah, eh, give them a bird to hang out with right. in solitary. <laughs> Come on, like like, like like it was a little bit more humane. Now you probably have, yeah, it's not like that at all. I'm sure. I'm sure it's like, they say that, didn't they outlaw it in some places, solitary confinement? They say past a certain point, it's um, cruel and, unu- and unusual punishment or something like that. I, inhumane. I, it's inhumane. I don't know the penal codes that well, but I, it yeah. sounds um, like a thing that I might have read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was like one of my takeaways with the way he's like talking to the guards. He's like, you've always been square with me. So I don't mind if you louse things up every now and then. I'm like, you're the prisoner. What, in what world are we getting away with this? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but well, let's also, Andy, it's also a movie. You have to suspend it. Sure, sure. <laughs> so I, I don't know if that was happening in the actual jail where he was like, listen, listen, you, you crank, you screw. Yeah, you you call, listen to me. They called each other Finks a lot. He goes, listen, you Fink. <laughs> Fink That's was pretty great. One. Wait, yeah. so when was the movie made? 1962, but it oh, took wow. place in the late teens and uh, up through his death in 1953, I believe. And what? Uh, and who directed it? Do you know, yeah, a guy named like I looked at the director. It was like Frank Rottenheimer, some guy I've never heard of, but yeah, um, wow. Was it? It's was Burt Lancaster and Carl Malden. So you know, oh, that's cool. familiar guys. Yeah, who plays the prisoner? Burt Lancaster. Burt Lancaster. Yeah, and okay. I saw pictures of the actual guy, and they really nailed it. <laughs> it was like, oh, really? They look very similar. Yeah. Oh wow, that's pretty crazy. I rewatched a couple of things. I watched a few things, but I also made a realization that I, I should mention about Reservoir. I watched. Okay, so Ooh. I watched Bob. Watched two Wes and rewatched two Wes Andersons. Oh, oh. Uh, Bottle Rocket and Rushmore. Okay, because that which I have I, a question I want to ask you later. Uh, sure. What is relation? it? Oh, about what, which one? You go. I'll I'll circle back to the Wes Anderson. But the Reservoir Dogs thing is now you tell you 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 know Reservoir Dogs pretty well, I'm guessing. Oh yeah, right? sure. Yeah, okay. Now the opening scene of Reservoir Dogs, right? Is Steve Buscemi running? No, no, no. This is when they're at the, you know, the very first scene of the diner, and then, okay. and then the, the Madonna speech, right? And then sure. and then Steve Buscemi gives his speech about tipping, which I don't know if people know this. But that is Tarantino. Tarantino had that conversation with Lawrence Spender, who was the producer yes. of the movie, and they and they put it into the script, I guess. But that was his outlook for a long time on tipping was what Steve Buscemi was saying, like the exact same. Yeah, yeah. Which is like Jesus. This guy must be a real good hang, you know. It's like anyway, uh, like you, you're like that's like another don't meet your heroes thing, yeah. You know? um, <laughs> but anyway, so there's the part where. Joe comes back over to the table and he goes, hold on. Somebody didn't put in. First off, there's something unbelievable in that because he counts all the dollars in about ten, two seconds. He goes, somebody didn't put in their buck. And it's like, you don't know. There's not enough. There's like 12 bucks there. You you can't, you don't know. It's 12 bucks right away. You know, whatever, whatever. That doesn't matter. All right. Yeah. Movie stuff. Yeah. Whatever. Doesn't matter. But at one point he says, uh, he goes, he goes, um, he goes, who didn't, who didn't cough in? And then, and then Tim Roth, Mr. Yeah. Mr. Orange says, Mr. Pink. And he goes, Mr. Pink, why not? He goes, he doesn't believe in it. I don't know. He goes, Mr. Pink, why not? And he goes, he, he didn't. He doesn't tip. believe in it. He doesn't believe in it. He doesn't believe in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He right. answers for him a, a couple times. 
Now, my theory is this. It's, if you notice, nobody else says a fucking word because they're all criminals and they don't, they don't fucking rat on anybody. Wow. So I there's like no, that. I, oh, that's genius, dude. You know, <laughs> so that, it's almost like a precursor to show you very early on that he's the cop because he has no problem saying it's Pink that did it. I love this, and I fully support this, and I think <laughs> you're on to something there, buddy. <laughs> it's got, I wonder, I, I should look it up, but there's got to be an interview I think you might be on to something. It's got to be. Brilliant takeaway. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be. That's that, a great read. Isn't that, because if you, because I, I, I've seen that movie, so I've seen that movie, dude, 50 times I've seen that movie. I've sure, seen that movie sure. so many times. Yeah. And I never put it together because I'd watch it. But then I'm sitting there going, why is he the only one talking? And, and at first I chalked it up to, oh, it works better for the script because it's like the comedy of the back and forth. Uh, but then I'm like, no, but why does that have to be Mr. Orange? And that's why. I, I guarantee you that's why. Oh, yeah. That's now right? that's like once you hear it, I go, oh, yeah, it can't be anything else. Yeah, because it, it makes the most sense. It's actually a really smart thing Super to do. Super smart and a great, really? great find, man. Well done. Thanks, well man. Done, yeah. Touch. Oh, you know, I try. I know. Yeah, hey, man, if you, if, you, if you really, if you believe in yourself and you don't exercise and you have no other hobbies besides movies uh, and, you, and you watch <laughs> and you TV all day, you can, you can attain your dreams of noticing something small <laughs> <laughs> in a movie, noticing a very tiny detail in a movie. Did you research it at all? Did you actually go I on did a fact mission? I didn't, but I'm gonna do, I'll do that today. And for next episode, I'll find out if I – there's got to be an interview if somebody asked him about it. There's got to be. Absolutely. Wow, that's great. That, that's, that's, that's like a thing I'm going to go and tell people now. I go, hey, did you ever see this? That's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, it's got to be it because he's, you know, he's so smart. There's no way he didn't think of that to do yeah, that. Yeah, that's a great, great read. Well, that's a beautiful find there. I was going to ask you about – I was thinking – I was driving back from the beach this week, and I was thinking about this, and I wanted to ask you this question, and it's funny that you brought up uh, Rushmore and Bottle Rocket. Because I was just driving, daydreaming, and I thought to myself, I was just like, man, isn't it too funny that like the two of the great filmmakers from really our generation, kind of, you know, the late 90s and um, still through this day, are both <laughs> named Anderson? Like, what are the chances? And then yeah. I just, you know, obviously did that further daydream. I go, who do I pick? I go, who do I like more? And I had a really hard time with coming up with Wes or Paul Thomas. Did you come up with one? I think it's Paul Thomas. For me, it's Paul Thomas. It's an, it's a, um, right now it's Paul Thomas. If you would have asked me 10 years ago, it probably would have been Wes Anderson. Yeah, I know. I think, and, that, and that was a really hard conclusion to get to because those, even first five films, I love Bottle Rocket. I love Rushmore. I love Tenenbaums. I love Life Aquatic. And okay, so maybe four, but I mean, I didn't. There's a few in there I don't love, but then just the Magnolia and Boogie Nights and There Will Be Blood. It's like those first better track three, record. Yeah, I mean, holy shit! Maybe Punch Drunk Love was in there before uh, There Will Be Blood, but I mean, good God, man! It's like I appreciate the lightheartedness and the whimsy of Wes Anderson and the irreverence and like the uh the ensembles but like the gravitas of wes anderson i mean of paul thomas anderson's films so it's like yeah you know there's just there's i, I want to say there's a little more meat and it's just like a little it's, it's all way more art it's way more artistic it's way more it's there's way there's way more um uh uh 
genuineness in it, if that's a word, if I can say that. Like, there's way more, um, it's more moving than Wes Anderson movies are. Yeah, for sure. And then and I mean, we, we, we my logic. the master and it's like, which I also read. Yeah. I think that's his favorite. It's his favorite. I read yeah. that too. I read that article. Um, uh, well, we also had an art. We were going to go over a couple of those articles on the podcast. Maybe the, that's the, what the, got me to thinking about it. Yeah, it might've been. Yeah. But I'll tell you my, my, um, over time, my, uh, what I've realized about Wes Anderson is I don't know if I, first off, I, I took me a long time to admit that I don't like, uh, who's squid in the whale. Um, no, Bombay. No, Bombay. Me a, too. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit, uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago or something. But what I realized is this. Wes Anderson, not that I'm saying I don't like Wes Anderson, but I used to go, I, Wes Anderson's my guy. I love, when I was younger, I was like, I love him. I love Tenenbaums is like my favorite one, one of my favorite movies. It's one of my favorite his movies. But what I really realized is that I like Wes Anderson teaming up with Owen Wilson. Same here. We've yes. talked about this before, and I agree yeah. 100%. Because the There's more a little they, something missing when he's not there to maybe – guide him it's kind of like the ellen chenoworth editing with scorsese you go you yep. or you know you need that steady you just need another set of eyeballs on this thing yep just go hey and, and with them it's reel it in. and i'm guessing that owen wilson is putting in that that sense of humor is all like it's yeah. dignan, dignan from bottle rocket is right. writing the rest of those movies you know what i'm saying like that yes. that that's a that's a personification of what i liked about the Wes Anderson movies, that sense of humor. And I don't think he has it completely on his own. I think he needs uh, Owen Wilson for the, for, to make it like a Tenenbaums bombs or where it's where well, I was talking to my roommate about this, where it's the, where it's more grounded, where it's not just storybook. Like, so I, 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 I'm saying I don't appreciate the other ones. Moonrise kingdom. I don't think is a good movie. I have to watch it. I don't watch think it. it is either. I no. despised it almost and, when I watched it. And that's a, yeah. that's a terrible thing because when it's one of your favorite filmmakers, you go, I have such high expectations Yeah, because yeah, I, I love this man's movies so much. And then you get let down and you go, ah. and then he goes to me and you go, no, and usually it's like the adult kid dynamic. You should have been him, like you know, uh, yeah. com- you know, completely. Um, I also Dignan, one of James L. Brooks said Dignan was the greatest sc- name he saw in a script of all time. Really, yeah, James L. Brooks said that. James L. Brooks said that. Yeah, so you go that. You know, that's a high compliment. He goes well because I think he was one of the original producers of Bottle Rocket. And right, right. Script I saw the name Dignan in there. He goes, I almost knew I, these guys were, were intelligent writers and that they had something. Well, Bottle Rocket is so freaking good. And Dignant in it is one of the, is one of the best characters, I think, in a movie yeah. ever. I will give that, them this, <laughs> and I will lend this to Wes Anderson a lot more. His subtleties and his eye for really, really layered stuff is excellent. Like, style wise and design wise but little things like names and just the way phrasing a little bit yeah that's what i love about wes anderson and that's not necessarily a paul thomas anderson. paul thomas anderson you're getting like powerhouse acting performances powerhouse or like but like there's little words and phrases of wes anderson that i love just the way they say things yeah and obviously it's it's a lot more comedic and so they're different in that regard. But like, we know how many times have we done like just the, uh, the Gene Hackman is just like, uh, the turns of phrase. He goes, dad, you were never sick. He goes, 
but I'm going to live. It's like, yeah, that's a, yeah. a weird, great way of hilarious writing. Yeah. You know? It's like this, it's like this Wes Anderson backwards logic in the movies of them just saying, like, there's almost like, oh, these non, not, not sequitur, but like these things next to each other. That, sure. The, 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 it's, they don't, it's like a true plus a true equals a false. It's like that kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, they don't, they don't they're not related at all, you know? <laughs> Absolutely, but when it comes to Wes Anderson, I still like Wes Anderson because you need him. You need his absolutely. Art, you need his artistry to create the whole product. It was and a also, tough, and I also really like. I, I like Grand Budapest Hotel, and I think that's mostly him. Uh, I don't know if Owen Wilson was involved in that one, so I'm not going to say he can't. Uh, that I don't like any of the ones that are mostly him. Yeah, that was the one that I came back on board with Wes Anderson. I was like, this one feels the Me most. Too. Wes Anderson, Owen Wilson-y kind of vibe from the last few that were made before. Yeah, And I will say this. I wonder this. I I know it's totally different. And I really had this thought and I'd love to find out. Do you think that uh, do you think that um, he wanted to cast Bill Murray and Rushmore because of Meatballs? Because the whole whole, the crux of Meatballs is his relationship with the kid Rudy. And then I was watching yeah. it yesterday, and I was like, uh, <laughs> I was watching it. I know, sure. And I think even at one point they're riding bikes together, and I kind of like, resonated with me about, like with him and Rudy running like all the time together, like in, in Meatballs. Yeah. I just also just rewatched Meatballs, which has one of the best scenes ever in a movie. The It Just Doesn't Matter scene is one of my favorite things ever. But um, <laughs> but maybe it's not, but I think they just love Bill Murray, and, that, and Bill Murray like responded to the, the serial so well. Yeah, he's just got that way of acting with – younger actors with such ease it's like i i understand what you're saying because you see that dynamic in lost in translation like just the way he can so effortlessly kind of make um uh scarlett johansson kind of feel at ease which it it, i and just his natural humor yeah kind of tell i think a lot of that is just his natural personality and not even acting yeah, no, I think you're right. Oh, no, I think it's, it's, it's exactly what you mean in meatballs, and it's exactly why Rushmore works so well. Too. But I'm saying, like, the, the older guy, young kid dynamic, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Rushmore He is really so is so good. great in Lost in Translation, too. He's, it's, it he's so good in it. He, Can I give Sofia Coppola a shout-out? She, she, I was watching uh, The Virgin Suicides. I didn't technically rewatch it because I had to run out the door. I went somewhere, but it was on. And that is a really well-made, well, well-written movie for her first film. It's a really dark, but also kind of funny, kind of in the vein of the filmmakers we're talking about. It it, it would kind of fall into maybe the same genre. And uh, also a great book. Jeffrey Eugenides, I believe, wrote it. And uh, he wrote, like, Middlesex and shit like that. So oh, okay. Well, it's her, um, you know, her dad, I think, the genetics maybe a little bit. Her dad made a bunch of good movies. Comes from a talented family. Yeah. But no, like, Nick Cage and, is a Coppola, too, buddy. I know. And he was in Mandy. It was in Mandy. He's actually credited in Fast Times as Nick Coppola. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I yeah. saw that. Um, yeah, you have, you have a Mandy poster. Mandy's like one of the... Yeah, oh, the little 8x12 framed in my living room. <laughs> but, uh, well, I hope you guys all enjoyed the throwback episode. That was a little... The annals of history, as Shawnee put The it. annals of history. The annals? <laughs> the, the, the canals of history. I think we'll have to title uh, this one, The Annals of History, right there. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, everybody, uh, Dimwits, uh, you got to know this. Andy Fiore, Andrew Fiore, you know him as a cool breeze. He has a show on Sirius Satellite Radio every Thursday at 4 p.m. called the, the Raw Report and on, on Raw Dog 99. He does it every week, so you have to check that out. And you can check him out on, I think it's at Andy Fiore on Twitter and Instagram. Is that correct? Yes, sir. You know all my stats. You nailed them perfectly. And, uh, if I may, uh, yeah. in turn, in, if you're sitting in your car on Thursdays, you might as well hop in there a day earlier on Wednesdays at the same time, <laughs> yeah. same channel, Raw Dog 99 for Celebrate. It's a fun show. Great idea for a show. Shawnee and uh, is Frank Kevin McCaffrey, another hilarious comic. Celebrate a topic every week and have great guests on to celebrate things as well. And you can follow him all over the uh, socials at Shawnee Time. And we have a big, big announcement for the Dimwits. Uh, next week, we have two opportunities for uh, everybody to come out. One is a little more podcast-centered, but next Wednesday, August 5th, Shawnee and I will be in Wildwood, New Jersey, and we'll be doing two shows at Captain Jack's. Uh, first one is at six and the second one is at nine thirty. I might have that backwards. It might be six thirty and nine. Go to yeah. our socials. You'll find all the info, important information. Yeah. We're posting about it. So there's two, two shows, shows on Wednesday night. in Wildwood, New Jersey. That'll be a fun time. It's a fun venue, fun crowd. And then we've got a double kind of headline bill the next night in Royersford, PA. It's part of soul Joel's summer comedy festival. We're both going to be doing stand-up, but more importantly, we're both going to be doing a live episode of the DYM podcast, Sean. Yeah. We're super looking forward to it. So, guys, if you're in those areas, please come check us out. Also, come up to us. Tell them, you know, we'll socially distance come up to us and tell us that you're a, a, a dimwit, uh, and then you were formerly a defender, that you know the meats and the peats, that you know Dutch and the Cool Breeze, and uh, and we'll, 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 we'll say hello. We'll hang out. Uh, you know, if, if you're at Captain Jack's, we'll buy you a drink. We'll, ha we'll have fun. It'll be a good time. Absolutely. And you can also, and you'll see, you'll see the information for it on our Instagram for the show on, on, uh, at D, at the DYM podcast on Twitter and at the DYM podcast on Instagram. So check those out. You'll, you'll see the flyer for the show. It's our buddy, Soul Joel, who I have really have to hand it to. The guy is doing these great shows. A hustler. Uh, he's a hustler and he, and he, and he knows what comics, how they want to do a show. Like he's not screwing up the setup and it's very hard to get the setup right right now because real standup comedy is not really happening like indoors. So, uh, yeah, so come on by and, you know, take a trip down to the beach and come see us or, or if the you're beach. in the, the rural areas, come check us out. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Dim much. Remember to subscribe, rate and review, and we will see you next Friday. Uh, and I hope, or hopefully we'll see you at the show and thank you so much. And we love you and goodbye. Bye.